The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. Consider the analogy of an orchestra. It's been used before. We have an orchestra. All the musicians are well trained. The music is well scored. The conductor is the best. And they're about to begin a symphony. And at the beginning, one musician intentionally plays a sour note. Now, the conductor might do two things. He might tap his baton and say, start again. He might ignore it. But it doesn't really make any difference because that sour note at about our temperature is going out into space at around the speed of 1,200 feet a second. Now, somebody else told me earlier it might be only 700. But you get the idea. It's going out into space, and we can't stop it. It's going to keep moving. It may move more quickly sometimes than in others, but it will keep moving. But it will keep moving. What then do we do? And I said, we can't do anything. But what if someone who is outside of time and outside of space should reach out from there and grab that note on its mad flight and stop it? The note would be stopped, but it would still be sour. It would have disrupted the order and harmony of the symphony. Except in one case. If the one who reached out and grabbed it took that note and made it the first note in a new symphony, then it would be a beautiful note. That's what happened to humanity. 
the very beginning, we struck a sour note. And we've been doing so ever since. The sour note was sin. And our sins are part of that note. We might say the world is full of sour notes. Well, but it's all part of that one note. What what can we do? We can't do anything about it. But what if someone, again, from outside should reach out and grab that nature, our human nature, and through the Immaculate Conception and the Virgin Birth, bring about a perfection, the first note of a new symphony, of a new humanity. Then things would be different. Then that disharmony and that disorder would be put back again. And so that's what God did. With the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Birth, he has come into our world with a new humanity. But it could not happen without the woman. And God could have simply have said, you're redeemed and let us know it. But he chose to do it only with the woman. She plays a central role in God's mystery, a central role in the recreation of humanity. She, after all, is Genesis. She's the new Eve. She's the new mother of all the living. It's from her that God took a human nature. There are people who would say, oh, no, no, no. God just put a human being inside of her. Well, then we're not redeemed. He didn't really become one of us, if that's the case. But he did. He took a human nature from her. She then is essential to the plan of God. And then he is born into the world. That's the mystery of God's plan. What about her, though? You know, it's interesting. Our Lord never addresses his mother as mother. In St. Luke's Gospel, he speaks to both her and Joseph uh, in the temple when they find him. Why were you looking for me? He doesn't address them at all. But in St. John's Gospel, he addresses his mother twice, but only as woman. At the wedding feast of Cana and from the cross. Because she, as I said, is the new woman. She's the new Eve. Only he can redeem us. But no one is more closely united to that act of redemption and to that redemptive love than she is. She plays a unique role in the history of salvation and in our lives. Because while he addresses her as mother, he only gives her to us as woman. He calls her woman. He gives her to us as mother. From the cross, the beloved disciple, St. John, who never calls himself by name in his own gospel, only refers to him as the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's thought because of his youth and his innocence and his purity. Our Lord had a special love for him. Uh, there are those who would say that it really wasn't John, but that's not what the scriptures, it's not what the fathers, it is John the evangelist. But there's another reason for him being called the beloved disciple, and that's because he represents all of us. So when our Lord speaks to him, he's speaking to us as well. So what does he say from the cross? Woman, behold your son. 
And then to him, behold your mother. So he gives her to us as the mother of all the living. She has a unique relationship to us as a result of that love. But we see here, for instance, in today's gospel, think of the qualities of the Blessed Mother. And we see them in today's gospel, too. You know, in Western art, we, we're three-dimensional. And we ex- express a great deal by those three dimensions. I like Western art. I like, I like three dimensions because, like you, I'm a three-dimensional kind of guy. Uh, we have three dimensions. But in the Eastern art, of course, in, in iconography, there are only two dimensions, but more symbolism. So that in, in icons, the Blessed Mother is always depicted with eyes that are larger than her mouth. Because she sees more than she speaks. She hardly ever speaks at all. But she sees everything. And we're told that. Uh, and Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. She perceives everything. She reflects on it. So there she teaches us something about reflection, about contemplation. But she's also the great obedient one. She's obedient always to the will of God. We see that in the um, infancy narratives, don't we? First we saw Joseph was obedient. The Blessed Mother is obedient. The shepherds were obedient. That's one of her qualities too, perfectly. But also silence, as I said. She's, a, she's very silent. Uh, seldom ever speaks. So those are qualities we can learn from her also, from our mother. Because she is our mother, and we should re- relate to her as our mother. I can't imagine not doing that. No matter how perfect our mothers are, she is still the mother of us all, and waits for us to come to her as mother. So we see these qualities in her then, these qualities that are so wonderful uh, to see in someone who is our mother. But you know, there's something more in her as well that we don't understand her love because of its perfection uh, and we have no experience of that. But we should still go to her in that way. You know, uh, Bishop Sheen, you remember, had a poem that he liked to recite about the Blessed Mother. Um, And it's a children's poem, really, or at least it's a poem that's spoken through the eyes of a child. But when we come to her, in many ways, that's how we have to come to her, as a little child. No matter how intelligent we are, when when we're with her, we're children. I told the story once, I believe, about a man who was walking down a street in France praying the rosary. A young man came up to him and said, well, I don't bother with that nonsense anymore. I am a scientist. And the man looked at him and said, are you really? Well, the next time you're in Paris, I want you to come and see me. And he handed him a business card. And the man looked at the card, and there was the name Louis Pasteur. No matter how sophisticated our intellect may be, when we come to the Blessed Mother, 
we come uh, as children. And that poem was so wonderful. You know, it's strange. When C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, he dedicated them to his goddaughter, I think. And he said to her something to the effect of, you may be too old to read fairy, fairy tales now, but when you get older, you'll be able to read them again. And that's true. I think sometimes as adults, we can read children's literature and get more out of it than they do because we're, we've learned more. But this poem was like that too. And many of you will remember it. In fact, Bishop Sheen almost always closed his, his great talks with this poem. He did it at Dorton Arena downtown in 1974 when he came to preach at the 74th anniversary of the diocese. Um, and it's one that I think all of us, in a way, could say when we consider the Blessed Mother and our relationship to her as mother. He said, Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Did you lift him up sometimes, gently on your knee? Did you sing to him the way mother sings to me? Did you hold his hand at night? Did you ever try telling stories of the world? Oh, and did he cry? Do you really think he cares if I tell him things, little things that happen? And do the angel's wings make a noise? And can he hear me if I speak low, does he understand me now? Tell me, for you know. Lovely lady dressed in blue, teach me how to pray. God was just your little boy, and you know the way. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come rejoicing in the motherhood of the Blessed Mother. She was your son's first disciple. She is the image of discipleship. We come to her to learn what it means to love your son, to learn what it means to follow him. We ask for her intercession in helping us do that. For the church throughout the world, that following the Blessed Mother and under her protection, all of her members will become ever more perfect disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom she leads us especially the church suffering and the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. For our own nation, for all the nations of the world, that they may come to know Jesus Christ through his mother, to learn from her how to follow him, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know that they are united to the Blessed Mother in her suffering as she followed him for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the faith, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, especially life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, and those young men and women who will follow the Blessed Mother and learn from her how to follow her son and how to proclaim her son to the world. 
for a greater reverence for the incarnation and the sacrament of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our administrator, our new bishop, whomever he may be, our priests, deacons, seminarians, and the American hierarchy, they may be truly devoted to the Blessed Mother and, and, and therefore become saints as they follow her son and make, and make her son present to the world. We pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially those who have died recently in acts of violence, Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, we may have a greater devotion to the Blessed Mother as she gave uh, Jesus Christ flesh and blood for the redemption of the world. So may we give ourselves. May we learn from her to follow him, to bring all things to her, that she may bring them to him as we go to him. We pray to the Lord. Lord we now join our prayers to those of the Mother of God and the Mother of us all as we sing. 